2021 and California by order of Lord Newsom is officially open. I'm actually not even sure what that means and half the people are going to keep wearing masks and hiding in their bunkers, but apparently California is open. It's very exciting. June 15th, 2021. I'm Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report Direct Message. As always, Tap the subscribe button, the notification bell, share the videos, blah, blah, blah. We're going to be talking about Newsom and reopening California and that he gave himself powers to close down at any time. We're going to get to that. That's the little asterisk in there. You know, don't read the fine print, but yeah, that's happening. Uh, and then we've got uh, 30 minutes of Q&A from our friends over at RubenReport.locals.com for you today. Before I get to any of that. Guys, I'm drinking Black Rifle coffee right now. Watch this. Delicious. Black Rifle Coffee Company is a veteran-owned coffee company serving premium coffee to people who love America. Veteran CEO and founder Evan Hafer spent over seven years on the ground overseas with U.S. Special Forces and as a CIA contractor. Black Rifle Coffee Company is continually committed to supporting veteran law enforcement and first responder causes. This summer, they invite you to enjoy your coffee. By that, they don't just mean the great taste of America's coffee, but the more places you drink it, the passion and adventure it fuels and inspires and the entertainment they serve along the way. Whether you're brewing the perfect cup of coffee before kicking ass at work or cracking a can of 300 on your next backcountry mission, Black Rifle Coffee Company is here to fuel your way wherever the summer takes you. They import their high quality coffee beans from all over the world and roast five days a week at their facilities in Manchester, Tennessee and Salt Lake City, Utah. The team at Black Rifle is continually researching and experimenting with new roasting methods and coffee origins. And I kid you not, I drink black coffee, Black Rifle coffee every single morning. Purchase Black Rifle Coffee at blackriflecoffee.com slash Ruben and use code Ruben at checkout for 20% off your purchase and your first coffee club order. Fuel your summer with America's coffee, Black Rifle Coffee. And now back to me. All right, guys. So as I said, today is June 15th. This is the completely arbitrary day that Lord Newsom, the evil Disney cartoon character villain, has decided California can open. It's a little unclear to me what that means because over the last couple of weeks, even here in Crazy Cali, the traffic's been nuts. Things have been opening up. I've been to a couple of restaurants. Some people are not wearing masks. Social distancing seems like it's completely gone. Even the, the, the rioters and the people burning down buildings uh, seem to be getting back to their normal activities. So it's an interesting thing, but in any event, June 15th is here. Today's the day that the whole thing's open. But uh, as I mentioned before, there's a little asterisk next to open because Gavin Newsom, if you don't think he, in the last year and a half, usurped enough power from the people and did a whole bunch of stuff that he didn't have any right to do, well, now he's ensuring that he can kind of do it at any time he wants to going forward. We've got uh, some quotes here from fee.org. With one of the lowest COVID-19 case rates in the country, a 70 plus percent adult vaccination rate and widespread reopening set for June 15th, the pandemic is finally on the wane in California. 
But Governor Gavin Newsom is still refusing to give up his emergency powers. California is set to end most coronavirus restrictions on June 15th, but Governor Newsom is not lifting the state of emergency, local media outlet KCRA3 reports. Newsom is keeping emergency powers given to him by a court in his back pocket in case things go south. But Newsom is setting a timeline on his emergency powers that could let him hold on to them for years or even the rest of his time in office, insisting that the state of emergency can only lapse when the coronavirus is extinguished or vanished, gives the governor license to cling onto his expanded powers essentially forever. So Newsom is setting standards that could allow him to never hang up his crown. This is an unacceptable act of authoritarianism that has no place in a free society. The people at fee.org know a little something about freedom. Uh, of course, when Newsom says, I'll put down my emergency powers, you know, when the emergency's over, very Palpatine, right? Wasn't that what Palpatine was gonna do? I'll set these emergency powers down. I, I, I love democracy, right? Like that's what this guy's doing. The idea that we're opening up, up now and that he can just we're closing down, COVID-6, the South Indian variant, whatever he might come up with uh, is deeply dangerous and all this guy wants is power and I hope he loses the recall and it would be nice if he ended up in jail. I'm sure there's a reason for it. Uh, this is not a good man. All right, before we get to the q and I'm very excited to be welcoming Raise American as a new sponsor to the Rubin Report, a company who raises the bar for premier organic grass-fed beef all over the country. For more than 15 years, Raise American has been honing its processes to provide lovers of beef the ultimate eating experience. From the feed, to the cattle, to the steak, Raise American raises the standard of what American organic beef ought to be. Raise American cattle come from humanely treated animals reared on small independent American farms, farms run by family farmers and ranchers adhering to some of the strictest animal welfare and sustainable farming protocols. Healthy cattle make healthy beef and no one knows that better than the team at Raise American. Raise American focuses on sustainability, which is why they work closely with these family farms to raise grass-fed organic cattle, which spend most of their lives grazing pastures in the fresh open air, grazing in a way that'll regenerate the soil instead of depleting it. Raise American is 100% organic, 100% grass-fed, 100% American. Go to raiseamerican.com right now to order and learn more. Good for you, good for our planet, and good for America. And now back to me, and let me just tell you, they send us a ton of meat. You guys know I'm grilling all the time, like seriously delicious, marble, juicy, good stuff. All right, let's do a little Q&A, guys. Uh, Craig says, what do the conservatives need to focus on to win Congress in the 2022 election? Thanks for all the support you are doing. And on a personal note, your husband's website looks amazing and definitely provides some inspiration for new recipes to try. If you want to find out more about that and watch and see some of the meat that I'm grilling, go to davidscookbook.com. As for what the Republicans need to do in 2022, I mean, I think it's sort of happening already, which is kind of just be sane. Right? Like that really is it. You know, it's funny because you guys obviously know my feelings about the Democrats. They've all lost their mind. I don't know where any of the decent liberals are. Like show me anyone that will stand up to the radicals. They want to put racism into everything. They want the government to do everything. They want to tax the hell out of everybody. They want to get rid of police departments and the litany of like crazy things they want to do. So pretty much the Republicans just have to be like, hey, hello, we, we don't, don't want to do that. We're, we're not that those guys. 
I don't think the Republicans actually have to do much. I think the messaging has to be, hey, we love America, these guys don't. We're proud of this country, these guys aren't. We don't want all your money, these guys do. We hopefully will cut some spending and regulations. That stuff often the Republicans don't do when they're in power. But we want you to keep more of your tax dollars. We don't want to go to the crazy wars. Like it's all, all of the sensible stuff is on the conservative side right now. So just be somewhat of a decent communicator in those ideas. And I guess part of the problem is that there aren't a lot of Republicans that, that do that very effectively. There are some guys that do it. I think Rand Paul does it well, obviously. Ted Cruz does it well. There are a couple that do it well, obviously. You know my feelings about Ron DeSantis doing it incredibly well. But that really is the key, just being like, hey, you see the stuff that these guys want to do. They want eight-month abortions. They want $15 minimum wage in a time when the economy is depressed and the middle class is disappearing. Like, they're gonna basically raise a group of racists and they want reparations. Like, all of the banana stuff is over here. So, hey, maybe we don't have the answers for everything, but we're kind of decent over here. And I know they call us racists and bigots and nobody wants to be called that, but you know, if you hang out with us for a little bit, you find out we're not that way. I think like some messaging around that, like we can't solve all your problems, we like America, we're decent, we're happy. Um, you know, like we're trying, but like we're not trying to control you. That's pretty good. Uh, Storm says, before this, what was your favorite job and why? I mean, man, I had a lot of odd jobs over the years when I was doing stand-up at night. I would do all sorts of crazy stuff during the day. You know, I did like bartending and catering for a bunch of uh, catering companies like in New York City and in the sub suburb areas. And I really enjoyed that. Like I enjoy, well, first off, you, when you're doing it like at a catering company, you're usually working with other actors and comedians. So there are a lot of like cool people. I, I never really liked the actors actually, but like the comedians, like it's a lot of laughing throughout the day and just like fun stuff. But I liked bartending a lot of the catering gigs because we'd be in Long Island or we'd be in Westchester, you know, New York suburb areas. And I liked going to like private parties and bartending because you can really figure out like who's wasted and you can see like the family dynamics. And like when grandma comes up for like her fourth white wine spritzer in an hour in Westchester, you can find out a lot about that family. So I always thought like little catering gigs were actually kind of fun and you know, at the end they, they let you eat a little bit of the filet mignon if it hasn't been eaten and uh, that kind of stuff was fun. And then of course you guys know I was assistant manager of Electronics Boutique, now known as GameStop, in Broadway Mall in Hicksville, Long Island. That was my first job out of college. Uh, so I moved video games. Nobody moved more Pokemon Red in 99 than me, okay? Uh, Sally says, I'm starting to see pushback against the craziness. Do you see it too, or is it wishful thinking on my part? No, there absolutely is pushback. I think, I think maybe the silver lining of Biden winning and us being where we're at at the moment is that if Trump had won, they would be so crazy trying to destroy Trump that it wouldn't allow a certain amount of people to wake up. This is the best way I can give you the silver lining on this thing, that because of the, the polarity related to Trump and that Trump was sort of the center of the universe for so many people and whatever they believed sort of orbited around Trump. With Trump slightly out of the equation right now, I think the left has just made it very clear that they were bananas whether Trump was around or not for all the reasons that I explained in that first question there. Like they're going for everything. California is trying to pass a reparations bill right now. Nobody in my family owned slaves. I certainly never owned slaves. And even if someone in my family did own slaves generations back, I wouldn't be guilty for their sins. So like they're going crazy on all of these different things. All, and, and of course the CRT stuff is the most dangerous. And then you they trot out Obama there to like mock the country 
because people are basically pushing back against teaching racism. And Obama's like, oh, but they should, you know, the Republicans should really be worried about the things that matter, like climate change. It's like, give me a break, dude. Like, come on, man. To quote Joe Biden, come on, man. Um, so I don't think it's wishful thinking. I think that because Biden is in charge, and Trump is largely out of the equation, although he's starting this touring gig with Bill O'Reilly, and as I said before, you know, I think he's gonna act as sort of the, the uh, bodyguard if DeSantis does decide to run in 2024. But with him sort of sidelined a little bit at least, I think this idea that the, the Democrats are just becoming what they are, and, and that's good for people to see, and, and it's, up for, it's up for you to choose. Like, do you want your children to you know, grow up in like a completely racist, backward, self-hating world? Or do you want them to grow up in the America that most of us have come to love? And I think I'm gonna choose the latter. Uh, Mia says, did you always want kids or has it just become more important to you as you got older? You know, I talked a little bit about this in Don't Burn This Book. Um, I never really wanted kids and I never, well, I never really thought about it because also like when I was sort of coming of age and in my early 20s and everything else, I was actually still really struggling with my sexuality and, and just, so I never, I sort of just lived day to day. And it was sort of like, it was way before gay marriage where I could never even see a horizon where I could live in a normal relationship or have like a, a, a normal family situation or be a father or any of that. Like it was so crazy. And I, that make, I guess that makes it sound like I'm like from the 20s, like in my day, we couldn't do all those things. But like, that's how quickly things change. And by the way, that's the best argument for equality, not equity. The best argument for equality, of course, is that two adults should be able to make whatever decisions they want, just like any two other adults should be allowed to make. Um, but I never thought about it that way. And as I've mentioned before, David's a little younger than me. We've been together about 10 years now. He grew up in a time where he was like, oh, I'm gay. Nobody really cared. It was okay. He knew he was gonna be married. He knew he was gonna have kids. And then I was on tour with Jordan Peterson and, and Jordan would often talk about how for most people, he would always say there are some exceptions, but for most people, the process of becoming a, a parent and then becoming a grandparent is just such a unique piece of the human experience that to live a fully actualized life, you have to do that. And I would hear him say this overnight, or you know, every night over the course of basically a year and a half, you know, hundreds of times, some version of that. And I'd see people in the audience talking about it. I'd talk to people after the show and there were young parents there and I'd meet grandparents. And it was like, well, am I somehow the exception to the rule? Like, am I? And I started thinking that I wasn't and then I knew that I was with someone who wants kids and. Uh, and now I'm looking forward to being a father. And as I mentioned on the show last week, our, our surrogate did actually just have um, a second miscarriage, which obviously sucks and we're gonna keep going and it's gonna take some time and I'll be 45 in about two weeks. So I'm not gonna be the youngest dad at the soccer field, but uh, hopefully the, the old bones will hold up so I can still play catch with this kid. Um, this, these kids, if, if it all turns out well. Uh, Kevin says, with the upcoming book and the virus on the wane, will there finally be a tour? Yes, hallelujah. So I just had my book editor here, as I mentioned on the show yesterday. We're putting the final touches on the second book and we'll, have an announcement uh, in July for the pre-sale and we're gonna do all sorts of giveaways for the locals community and signings and all, all sorts of cool stuff and I'm really psyched about the book because it really is the next version of that was my defense of liberalism. The liberals have failed liberalism. What do we do now? I think there's some new ideas in there. I'm really, I'm really proud of it. I limited the Star Wars references. I think it's the right blend of like info and humor and all that good stuff. 
One of the things I really missed about Don't Burn This Book uh, was that I was supposed to be on a tour. I had like a 50 city tour that was gonna be you know, basically all of May into June. And then we were working on a European tour and we were working on an Australian tour and I was gonna just go to where, wherever. I was literally gonna go wherever. That's what I said to the guys. If someone wants me somewhere, I will show up and talk about this book. That's what I wanna do. And that year and a half um, with Jordan was just, just so freaking spectacular. So I cannot wait to get back out there and tour the book and, and you know do Q and A's and fiddle around with you guys and have fun and get people out there together. So yes, there absolutely will be. Though I will say this because the book isn't coming out till April of 2022. I'm definitely gonna start doing some road stuff starting in the fall again. Um, I miss it. Uh, we're also looking into maybe doing a monthly thing here in Los Angeles. We found a venue that we kind of like, like a dinner and a show kind of thing. So uh, stay tuned on all that. Elijah says, what's your favorite Biden gaffe? Um, well, you know, I'll go, I'll go early Biden, like before Biden was president. You may remember first term Obama presidency, Joe Biden as the VP was on Meet the Press and he basically just blurted out that Barack Obama was for gay marriage, even though at the time Barack Obama was not for gay marriage, at least at a, via a political calculation was not for gay marriage. And then what happened was over the next like two, three weeks, Obama basically had to admit or, or finally the pressure became too great to bear, but Obama came out for gay marriage. So a Biden gaffe, because he clearly was not supposed to say that. I, I remember the press around it the next couple of days and the White House press secretary and everything else. He was not supposed to say that Obama had a private feeling that was against his public feeling. And that also shows you that these people are all sort of panderers. And as I always say, the progressives of 2040, they're gonna burn down the Obama library because he wasn't for gay marriage. And if we're to believe that gay rights are as important as civil rights and minority rights and all of those things, well, well, then the way we would look back and think that Thomas Jefferson must be a racist, uh, Barack Obama must be a homophobe. So congrats, Joe, on that one. Tom says, what's your guess on the month and year that Biden leaves office? Ooh, you're really getting me on this one. You know, I predicted at the beginning of this thing that he would not make it to the end, that they will put him out to pasture before. I, I still stand by that, but I think they're gonna push it as far as they can. Because think about it, the mainstream corporate press is not showing any of the gaffes. So the gaffes that we show here, the puttering around and the mumbling and the confusion and I don't know where I am and what country is this and all these things, you don't see that on CNN, right? You don't see it on MSNBC. So they feel that they can hide reality from a certain set of people. And I think what they're gonna really try to do is you wanna get Biden to as close to, as, to the end of the term as possible because if I'm not mistaken, if then, uh, Kamala Harris took over, you could get eight years out of her. So she could finish the term and then you max her out at eight years. So you want Biden to go as far as he can. You keep this thing going. We pretend that Biden's in charge basically for four years. Then she jumps in in the last couple of months and then they would want her for eight years. Who they are, I'm not sure. The, Ob the, the Obama machine, I don't know. I don't know exactly what it is, but they're gonna try. The real question, I guess, is does he just break down before then? Like, does it just become so obvious that even the propagandists at CNN and MSNBC like actually have to cover that something ain't right with this guy? But, you know, again, if you're the prime minister of, or president of China, or you're Putin, or anyone that is, you know, considered a rival of America right now, you're just licking your chops, because you're like, that guy, that guy just ain't in charge, and this is not a serious or strong country to, to lead the world. Uh, Brad says, recently Congresswoman Laura Boebert 
brought a cardboard cutout of Kamala Harris to the U.S.-Mexico border. Why do you think the real life, not the cardboard cutout, Harris is avoiding going there? It's really interesting because it's like every interview she goes into now, which she doesn't do that many interviews, but she did do some while she was on this uh, South American trip and she was down there in Guatemala, which we talked about. In all these media appearances, they are asking her, well, why aren't you going to the border? Why I have been to the border. No, you haven't. Oh, I haven't, but I haven't been to Europe. Like, she's just an extraordinary bullshit artist. Why is she not going there? It's a good question. Like, why wouldn't they just send her there to shut everybody up? Why wouldn't they just send her there to be like, well, she did go there. That would, that would shut half of you people up. Just, it wouldn't matter if she did anything there or saw anybody, but that would seemingly quiet a whole bunch of you guys, you crazy right-wingers. So I don't know, are they trying to like just throw it in our faces? I think it's partly that, but it's partly that our, our media here doesn't hold them to account. So whatever is going on at the border right now, which does seem from everything I can see to be far worse of a disaster than anything under Trump, because even the, there's videos, I mean, you could see these videos, I'm not making it up guys, of, of immigrants coming across, not immigrants, you can see these videos of, of, in effect, mass groups of people that we don't know where they're from or what they're doing. You can see them coming across the border and then when they get on video, some of them are like, well, Biden's welcoming us. Trump was mean, Biden's welcoming us. So do they want the border crisis? Like, do I wanna go through that if you take this thing to the end, do the Democrats want it so that they can just open up the borders and just assume that all of these people are gonna vote for them because they're gonna give UBI to everybody and voting rights to everybody and then they just have this like permanent class of voters, you know, you just give them next to nothing and they think it's something so they vote for you forever, sort of like what the Democrats have done with black people for a long time. I mean, is that a conspiracy theory? I don't know. Uh, Rose says, is it a waste of time to respond back to the libs and progressives who think Newsom did a wonderful job? I want to find some way to reach them. Why won't they wake up? I mean, this is the age old question with these people. It's like, have you not woken up at this time? If your city is burning down, if your governor and your mayor kept you in lockdown while they ate at French Laundry and went to visit family members or flew to Mexico for vacation, and the, all of the things that we now know are happening in blue cities that are not happening in red cities. I mean, I was just in Austin, Texas a couple of weeks ago for a speaking gig with Heritage, and the event was fantastic actually, but Austin, which is like the blue, blue, blue center of Texas, there's homelessness everywhere now. There's just like sort of crazy people wandering the streets. There's homeless tents. It sort of reminded me of home up here in Los Angeles, actually. It was quite nice. Uh, that's exactly what my friend said to me. We were driving and I was like, uh, look at all this homelessness. I can't believe it's all here. Oh, doesn't it remind you of home? Yeah, there you go. That, that's a problem and it's not happening. Like, why isn't that happening in Dallas? Why isn't that happening in Salt Lake City? Why isn't that happening in Carmel-by-the-Sea? Uh, you know, Republican-run places. Um, so why won't they wake up, you know, this is partly a branding thing. I think these people are so, they, they fear the, the bad policies, they fear the violence, they fear all that stuff, but what they really fear, what my liberal friends really fear more than anything else is being called a conservative. Clyde was really into that. Did you hear the, the rattling there? You like that one, Clyde? Um, what they really fear is being called a conservative. They fear that they will be thought of as the evil people. They have said these people are, are such evil for so long that they know if they start coming, I'm against Gavin Newsom. He caused lockdowns, destroyed the economy, you know, did it all for no scientific reason, right? There's no evidence. Please, somebody, prove me wrong. Show me the side-by-side -side evidence that lockdowns worked 
and keeping things open didn't work. There's no evidence of it. We don't even have evidence at this point that masks work. Again, if you wanna wear a mask, wear a mask. You wanna get vaccinated, get vaccinated. These people are just, you know, it's like if you go so in on a lie, at some point, it, it, the lie almost overtakes you because you can't get out. You can't get out. Like you've gone in so deep, you've done things to get there that it, it's, uh, it would make you look in the mirror and a lot of people don't wanna do that. But it, that doesn't mean it ain't worth the effort. Uh, Amy says, should we begin to consider homeschooling children as a more mainstream approach to educating them? Yes, absolutely, for sure. You sort of must. I promise you I will not be sending my children to public schools. That is a damn shame. I went to public schools. David went to public schools. I think that most of the people that go into teaching go into it for a good reason, and then unfortunately they get, they get sort of mugged by progressive orthodoxy. They get mugged by the teachers' unions. Um, they get mugged by the fact that, uh, unfortunately, a lot of liberals don't know what they believe. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a whole bunch of stuff. But I can't see sending children to public school. And that's a sucky situation because not everyone has the time or the ability to homeschool. I think, you know, one of the cool things that's happening right now, there's this big push to fund students, not schools, so this, in essence, the government would give you X amount of dollars, you could send your children to a public school or you could homeschool them. But I think there's so many things on the horizon that are gonna come related to schooling. Like I think there's just gonna be local pods where you'll get 10 or 15 kids or maybe 40 kids together every day and they'll maybe do it in different people's houses or whatever. And yes, it will change the way we all socialized as young people, like all of those things will change. But I just think if you think outside of the box, there's so many options there. And always remember, who doesn't want school choice. Who is 100% against school choice? Well, it's Gavin Newsom, it's Elizabeth Warren who sent her own children, you know, she's worth millions and millions of dollars, sent her own children to private schools, but she doesn't want your children going to private schools. She doesn't want your, it was her stepchildren, is that right? She sent her stepchildren, thank you for that, to uh, private schools, but she doesn't want your children going to um, charter schools. And the reason that they want all of your children in their crappy public schools is because that is the best place to brainwash them. It is simple as that. Bernie is not saying I want free college for everybody so everybody can learn libertarian economics. No, he's sending them there because if you ever wanted to brainwash a generation into believing that the state is God, then do it at one of Bernie's free universities. Uh, Serona says, what are some of your favorite outdoor activities to do? Well, I love playing basketball more than anything, probably. Like, that's number one, absolutely. Just love, I just love shooting hoops, playing horse. Uh, you know, I've got this torn ACL on my knee, so I can't really play in, in full games anymore. I'm thinking about getting the surgery, but it's a, it's a pretty brutal surgery. A couple weeks just like laid up in bed and then months of recovery, but I'm trying to decide what to do on that. Um, I really love gardening. You know, I picked up gardening during the, the lockdowns and we have a pretty cool rooftop garden. It's just a bunch of planters that we built ourselves and we got peppers and we got tomatoes and we got squash up there now and we got, uh, we got tons of strawberries. We got uh, a couple orange trees. Like we're just doing stuff and I just love it. And then I love eating the food and I love you know pruning uh, the plants and all of that good stuff. So I would say basketball, um, you know, the gardening, and I actually just like taking walks. Like I really, Clyde's right here today. I really like, uh, maybe we'll get, Clyde, do you wanna get up on the table today? See what I, he, he's not doing anything right now. Um, I, like, I like just walking the dog. I really do like just walking the dog. Uh, Marilyn says, what are your thoughts on Caitlyn Jenner for governor? You know, look, we tried to reach out. They haven't got back to us. Someone from the campaign did privately reach out to me saying that maybe we would get together at some point and see what's what. 
she's welcome to do the show, I suppose. I, I'm just not, honestly, I'm just not sure if this thing is real or not. Again, everybody in California, all, however many, how many people we got in Cali? This must be like, is it like 70 million people? How many people we got in Cali? Let's get, let's get a number on that. However many there are, I'll have a number in one second. However many there are, every single one of them would be better than Gavin Newsom. I would vote for the crazy, lunatic, meth-addicted, whack job wandering around Venice Beach right now uh, before I would vote for Gavin Newsom. 39.5 million people in 2019 in California. Uh, we did lose some people in California for the first time ever in 2020, California had a net population loss because of Gavin Newsom. Uh, Rhiannon says, what's your favorite city or national park in America? Well, as for city, I mean, well, I would say DC at the, at the, in its best sense, not in the DC of the last two years, but DC with the history of America and the monuments, like I love that stuff. I've talked about it before. I love going to the Washington Monument. I love walking the mall one of the highlights of my career, I guess, of my life was was speaking at the Reason Rally in like 2014 or so. I spoke at the at the at the mall, like in front of the giant reflecting pool, like Forrest Gump style. It was it was pretty incredible. I love the Jefferson Memorial, which is a little off the beaten path over there, and the JFK Memorial, and and just all. Uh, I'm sorry, not the JFK Memorial, the the MLK Memorial. Like, there's just so much stuff there, and the Vietnam veterans. Memorial, like there's just so much history and you, and you just feel this incredible thing and that's why it's so disappointing now what's happened in, in DC and to that end, you know, I'd say New York. I, I lived in New York most of my formative years, you know, Sinatra, like if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. And I lived in those years when I had nothing I, and, and when I was a struggling comic and I literally was like taking change out of my roommate's, you know, cup of chock full of nuts coffee to, uh, to buy a cup of coffee and you know, sleeping on cots and all those struggle years, which I now sort of look back on as the good old days, like they were the good old days, wandering in New York City and, and, and just growing up in New York City, that place with that incredible energy and it was like everyone was there to do something and build something and make something of, of themselves and like that spirit has just been extinguished. That, that's just very disappointing, which is a perfect segue to Margot. If you're ever in New York City area, can you arrange a meetup? This site has kept me sane the past year and I would love to meet you and thank you in person now that we can. Uh, well, thank you for that. Um, as for a New York City meetup, honestly, the truth is, I, I don't know that I would do a New York City meetup. Like, I don't think it's that safe. Like when, when I do meetups, you know, we do them for subscribers only at Locals. That's not a perfect system because obviously people could pay, I suppose, to figure out where I am or, or, or any of that kind of stuff. I don't even like thinking about it. But New York City, it just doesn't seem like that safe to do that sort of thing. So I like doing them more so in, in red cities. However, uh, suffice to say, I, I like meeting people. I really do. I actually love meeting you guys. So maybe we can figure out uh, a little something. Anyway, uh, I am off. Well, truth be told, I'm taping this the day before it's airing right now. You guys are watching this thinking it's live. I'm actually taping this on Monday because I'm on a plane right now going to Florida. So I'm in Miami the next couple of days. We're moving locals down there, meeting investors. It's just blowing up as a city. I'm gonna be talking to the mayor and a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, so we may do a meetup either Wednesday night, tomorrow night, or on Friday, we're trying to figure that out. And for more info, you can uh, join us at rubenreport.locals.com. Part one of my interview with James Lindsay. So when they tell you, this is the new meme out there from the left, conservatives don't know what critical race theory is. They talk about it all the time, but they don't know what it is. 
I tell you what it is all the time. Plenty of other people do as well. James Lindsay has been one of the guys talking about this for years, distilling it to its disturbing racist roots and, and what it is and why it has become so sort of ubiquitous and leaked into everything in society. Uh, I've had James on the show over the years on panels, but this is the first one-on-one -on -one we've ever done. Part one is up on the YouTube and the full episode is up early and ad-free at rubenreport.locals.com. And I hope to see some of you guys in the Miami area. And uh, that's it. See you later. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast. And don't forget, you can watch my direct messages live on Blaze TV and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And of course, if you want to connect with me personally and get early access to my sit-down interviews, join rubenreport.locals.com.